From Schwartz Media, I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. This year, the attempt to whip up nationalism over the 26th of January has taken a different turn. While politicians talk about pride in celebrating Australia Day, many businesses and institutions are moving ahead with not recognising a holiday that celebrates colonisation. So, is the culture war actually failing? Is the debate over? And in the shadow of the referendum defeat, how is the push for Indigenous justice going? Today, writer and host of The Mission on Triple R, Daniel James, on what this year's debate tells us about the direction of the country. It's Friday, January 26. Daniel, it's January 26, the public holiday known as Australia Day, referred to as Invasion Day by others. It's definitely our most discussed and picked apart public holiday by far. How would you categorise the public conversation around January 26 this year? Well, I wrote a piece a number of years ago that basically said that every January in Australia is ruined because the debate around Australia Day, Invasion Day kicks off in earnest, you know, sometimes before January the 1st. But after the events of last year, it just seems to me that January's not ruined anymore. It's just become ridiculous. The debate has been a pet peeve of cultural warriors, particularly on, on the right, for a number of years now. And it would seem that Australia has moved on from that debate. We see it in the way... Uh, commercial Australia regards Australia Day. We see it in the way local councils, state governments regard Australia Day. And the way they regard Australia Day is not a day of appropriate significance. It's a day that we have forced upon us as a public holiday. But in terms of whether it's the right day, I think that the majority of Australians have made up their mind that it isn't. Mm. And are there things that have happened this year or statements that have come forward in the public that have made you feel that way? Well, I think the most obvious one that's been taking out most of the oxygen um, in the news cycle has been Woolworth's decision, Mm -hmm. which was unannounced because it was not a matter of uh, a cultural position. It was a matter of uh, responding to that woke concept of supply and demand. <laughs> yeah. You just mentioned, though, giving customers the choice, right? So, I mean, if you did have some merchandise, it's their choice whether they buy it or not. So why not just include it and people can walk past it? Sarah, we sell hardly any of it. And what happens after Australia Day if it's Australia Day-specific merchandise? I'll tell you where it goes. It goes into to landfill or, even worse, into the waterways of... Uh, of Australia. So uh, we're very... But of course, opposition leader Peter Dutton seized upon that and called for Australians to boycott Australia's largest employer. Other companies haven't done it. And on that basis, I think Australians should boycott Woolworths. I think Brad Banducci should come out and announce that he's reversing the decision. It's a bad decision. Uh, It damages Woolworths. It embarrasses the employees. And I think the Prime Minister frankly, needs to call it out because these... After Peter Dutton made his comments calling for a boycott, uh, a man was charged in Brisbane uh, vandalising a Woolworths store, graffitiing the store, uh, calling for boycotting Woolworths. Uh, We've seen a 50% rise in aggression and um, in-store entanglements with staff over Australia Day and a direct line of the rhetoric that Peter Dutton has been using... Uh, He hasn't been seen since he called for the boycott. He's just let the the public debate play out. And so with that, there has been all sorts of noise from 
uh, shock jocks across the country dragging uh, the Woolworth CEO in and, um, you know, basically accusing him of treason. <laughs> How woke is this? Last year, a campaign for The Voice should have learned a lesson. Take your custom elsewhere. We, the consumer, have the power with our dollars and we can tell these global elites pulling the strings, yes, even at Woolworths, where they can shove their agenda. That seems to be the central element of the noise around mm -hmm. Australia Day this year. That seems to be the nexus point, the point that everyone's focusing on. Mm. And we've also had things like Pat Cummins come out this year and talk about Australia Day. Yeah, well, Pat Cummins, the Australian uh, cricket captain of the men's team, was asked a straight question and he gave a straight answer. He prefaced it by saying how he loves his country. But I think once you start realising that Jan, Jan, sorry, Jan 26 and why it's chosen and, yeah, you know, it's, Australia is meant to be a celebration of, of everything Australia and our history, I think we could choose a better date. And, of course, Pat Cummins has been under criticism from uh, people in the Murdoch media in particular for being a woke cricketer for being someone who uh, cares too much about things outside uh, the cricket field. But it, what it all highlights to me is just how ridiculous the debate has become and the fact that um, certain sections in the media are using it as fodder to generate content and to sell content. Mm. And I guess we've grown to expect this kind of debate. It's become very typical of this time of year. But this is our first January 26 post The Voice. Have you noticed any differences in the debate this time around now that we're living in an Australia that voted no? Yeah, last year Australia resoundingly voted no to The Voice referendum. And I think that uh, conservatives saw that as potentially a green light to take Australia somewhere else, perhaps some would argue backwards, back to a uh, an imagined Menzian utopia where there are billy carts in the street and uh, meat and free veg on the plate every night. Um, but because Australians resoundingly voted no to a concept that perhaps they didn't fully understand, something that wasn't tested, something that wasn't easily able to be visualised by people living their daily lives, mm. uh, doesn't mean that their attitudes to other issues like Australia Day have changed. There are no metrics around that, except that it seems that uh, civil Australia, when I say civil Australia, I mean local governments and councils and, and federal governments and politicians, are moving away from the 26th as being the national day. And despite all the noise, particularly from the Murdoch press and some of the shock jocks that work for nine, the utopia that was imagined as a result of the no vote isn't coming to fruition because Australia is a far more diverse, nuanced, complex place than that. And um, that must be frustrating for some of the people who were using the voice debate to push all sorts of uh, pet issues. I think as a result of the, the, the massive defeat of, of the referendum, for Indigenous people alone, uh, a move that the Albanese government could easily make that would show that it's serious about uh, restoring faith amongst people within the Aboriginal community, but also doing something about the issues that affect us, would be to implement the recommendations from the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody. That would be an easy first step to take, to take us down a different path. 
there are still massive issues confronting our people. And the rigmarole and the nonsense around January the 26th does little to address any of it. After the break, what is standing in the way of progress? For Sloan Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism and you'll receive the Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup made in collaboration with Fresco for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Daniel, we've been talking about the public conversation we're having about January 26 and the sort of fear-mongering around it and how that doesn't necessarily reflect the reality of a lot of Australian sentiment. Why do you think so much time and attention is paid to turning January 26 into a kind of culture war? I think because it's it, it really does serve the bottom line of a lot of our media organisations. It makes for great fodder for the Herald Sun and other News Corp uh, publications. It gets all the culture warriors within those pages um, up and fired about. I guess the the crew on uh, Sky After Dark uh, fired up as well. And this is all used to generate anger. And it's the Murdoch way, and it's the way of uh, media moguls before Murdoch, is to generate division, generate anger, and hopefully that will result in sales or eyeballs on screens. Mm. Um, I think it's as cynical as that. But there's two issues. There's the conservative elements of the media that have a have a game plan every January and mm. they they roll it out. And then there are other media organisations that um, seem to be incapable of dealing with debates like this, dealing with debates like we had over The Voice and the reportage around that. And you'd have to say that uh, where the ABC is at the moment, uh, they seem totally and utterly incapable of dealing with the, the nuance Uh, that are confronting elements of our community, particularly people of colour, um, whether it be around Indigenous issues or the the horrors happening in in Gaza right now. Uh, We've seen people of colour in the ABC leave, in my opinion, being thrown under the bus by management. And it just seems to me that um, the reason you have diverse workplaces, the reason you get people who have grown up in Western Sydney or uh, the Western suburbs of Melbourne, people of colour, people from diverse gender backgrounds into organisations like this is to inform the editorial processes, to make sure that the way that we cover these issues is nuanced, uh, addresses the complexities, but doesn't speak down to people either. And at the end of the day, uh, once all those editorial processes are followed through, the truth doesn't change, but the lens you use to focus on the truth can change. And I think um, our national broadcaster has failed us on that front with their two-sidism 
approach to some of these issues. And I guess if if we're talking about, you know, things like race, Indigenous justice and progress, how much is the media standing in the way of making progress on these issues? Well, we see it over the way that we seem to attack every major issue. Uh, we see that uh, that uh, with the, the tax reforms that have been announced, um, the focus has been on the politics of it and not the policy mm-hmm. of it. And it seems to me that when it comes to uh, Indigenous issues, the politics is focused on far more than the, the content of the issue. And that's why we've seen people like uh, Jacinta Price platformed by um, sections of the media and put on a pedestal because the politics and the machinations around mm-hmm. her potentially becoming a leader uh, within the Liberal National Party in the future, is far more interesting to them than reporting on the intricacies. What she stands for. Yeah, or, yeah. what she stands for, mm. the intricacies of uh, what's happening with black death and custody, what's happening with uh, Aboriginal contact with the, the justice system, how the health system is failing Aboriginal people, um, how housing is still a major issue. The shiny prospect of having a, a, a forthright Indigenous woman in a leadership role and her trajectory and being able to cast her in that role is far easier than talking about the issues at play. Mm. And finally, Daniel, while there obviously is some progress happening in Australian society, I guess the fact remains that there's a reason someone like Peter Dutton or other conservative leaders see an opportunity in January 26. Do you think we're getting closer at all to the end of this debate when kind of flag-waving won't have a political payoff or will this only become more fractious? I think we're coming to the end of it. I really do. I think as the country continues to move that way and uh, the cultural warriors continue to plant their feet and stay where they are, I think it'll become more of a pantomime show as we move on. And if we really want to move past some of the culture wars when it comes to Australia Day in particular, then the defeat of people like Peter Dutton, um, if he doesn't become Prime Minister, if he loses his leadership as opposition leader, that's uh, one less cultural warrior that we all have to deal with in our daily lives. Daniel, thanks so much for your time. Pleasure, Ange. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news today, the United States has condemned a strike on a UN compound in Gaza, which has caused mass civilian casualties. The United Nations says Israeli tanks struck a UN building that was sheltering displaced Palestinians, while Israel has denied its involvement, suggesting Hamas might have launched the shelling. And Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has defended changes to incoming tax cuts in an address to the National Press Club. The opposition has accused the PM of breaking a key election promise, saying they will oppose the changes, which involve scaling back the gains for those on higher incomes. The Prime Minister says the changes will make Australia's tax system more equitable. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. It's produced by Cara Jensen-McKinnon, Zoltan Fetcho and Shane Anderson. 
Our senior producer is Chris Dengate. Our technical producer is Atticus Basto. Our editor is Scott Mitchell. Sarah McVie is our head of audio. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Mixing by Andy Elston, Travis Evans and Atticus Basto. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. We'll be back again next week. <laughs>